0: friends. My name is Carson Daniel, and I'm the coordinator of church planning at Asbury Theological Seminary. You're listening to season two of the Church Planning Conversations podcast. This is episode two, 10 Trends Impacting the Future of the Church. On this episode, we continue an interview with Dr. Winfield Bevins. Join us as we look ahead to the future of the church and the movements that shape it. You are listening to Church Planning Conversations with Dr. Winfield Bevins. Hey, we want to welcome you to the Church Planning Conversations podcast, and this is season two, episode number two. And today I'm really excited. I get to interview um, Winfield Bevins, my boss, actually. (laughs) And uh, Winfield, we just want to welcome you on the podcast for this interview today.
1: Hey, Carson, great to be with you today.
0: Yeah, glad to have you. So hey, everybody who's uh, joining us today, uh, we this is part two of a two-part series we're doing um, about the signposts of the future, the 10 trends impacting the future of the church. And if you have not already listened to part one, I encourage you to go listen to that part first and then come back and check out part two with us right here. Um, but we just want to open up with a little warm-up question and get to know Winfield a little more outside of just church planning. And so Uh, Winfield, why don't you tell people a little about yourself and and just kind of share maybe some hobbies you have or just things you enjoy doing? I mean, I think people are interested in that. Hmm. And I know I've I've enjoyed getting to know you more and more as uh, I get to work with you.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Carson. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, maybe some things that people don't know about me. um, You know, we planted our last church plant was on an island. Um, in the Carolinas, and uh, we, you know, I'm I'm a surfer. You know, I love to surf. I, I learned to surf. You know, when when you plant a church on an island, you know, like it's not much to do. So when in Rome, yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I love surfing. I love the ocean. I love the water. Um, I'm also an artist. We when we planted the church. We actually launched a nonprofit art gallery, built an art studio. Um, had I, I, I was the founding director of, of a nonprofit art gallery, art studio, and music venue. Mm. We um, produced records, had a CD label, um, and art has always been a real kind of key part of my faith. Engaging kind of faith and arts. It's been kind of. Uh, an evangelistic outreach, but also just a real ministry, you know, just, you know, engaging artists in the church and seeing as arts, a real beautiful bridge into the secular world. And, um, it's just been such a gift for me to be able to use my art as an expression of my faith, but it's also, you know, it's an outlet. It's more than a hobby, but it's, it gives me something to do, you know, um, but it also gives me a way to connect with others. And I sell my art, uh, you know, I have an Instagram page and people commission pieces and, you know, it's just, it's just been a blessing, you know, so that's, you know, I'm kind of known as an artist too. So yeah. 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 That's a little bit about me.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I would add a a really talented and good artist too. <laughs> it's not like you're just doing little crafts. Like, yeah. If you yeah, guys go yeah. look at Winfield's Instagram and, and his Twitter and stuff like that. You'll see um, that he does some great work. So, well, that's cool. Yeah, it's that's that's um, good to know. And and it's always cool to have those places that you can use your hands and do something you enjoy. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's uh, dive onto into the list. Um, and so, we're going to cover um, six through ten of the the list of ten trends impacting the future of the church. And and we'll just kind of get back into it. So. Uh, number six is from cloning to contextual. So, if you want to just explain what those terms mean, and then just kind of speak to that.
1: Yeah, you know, I, you know, I think people have thought when I first got into church planning that you just kind of cloned was, hey, this was successful out in Texas, or you know, I remember back in the day. This isn't a critique of him, but I remember you know Rick Warren, who's done great things you know saddleback church you know mm-hmm. purpose-driven life i remember his purpose-driven church book people just took that and that was the model and they planted purpose-driven life churches and they wore hawaiian shirts you know like if it worked <laughs> for rick you know and yeah. um you know we live And this kind of goes into you know the last session we did around kind of increasingly multi-ethnic global like Every context is different, and church needs to be planted, not cloned. Hmm. Um, And if you clone something, you transplant something from somewhere else, another model. If you plant a church, it grows up in the soil of a particular community and context. So every church in that sense can and should look different and have a different feel and should um, yeah, there are maybe some normative things. There are you know some distinctives that you know if you're in a denominational plant um, that you know probably could be similar to, but churches need to be contextual and I think increasingly that's just it's not just a wave of the future. I think it's a I think it's biblical I think um, you know the biblical metaphors as you look at the early church, church is planted, not cloned, is really kind of what I mean by that. Let it grow. So our church in the Outer Banks, North Carolina, for instance, we, rather than naming it, you know, some fancy name, you know, we just called it Church of the Outer Banks because our vision was for it to be a church for that community. And that was really the heart. And we let it kind of grow up in that soil. And the church kind of took on the flavor of the community. We let them let the the locals and you know the people that lived there they spoke into um the church as it grew and and it created just a wonderful dynamic
0: yeah yeah well i love that what you were talking about just earlier about surfing you know even using that as a way to like hey i'm willing to get involved in the community and actually like learn and you know and just while you're talking about Kind of using the plant metaphor, I just thought, well, you can't plant a cactus in Antarctica, you know. Like, there's not, yeah, or, you know, that's it. The, yeah. And I worked on a farm for a while, so I, I can tell that there's a lot of connections <laughs> there. So um, awesome, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I've often looked at certain church models, and it seems like they're trying to do like the McDonald's franchising thing, and yeah, it, it doesn't quite um, work as well that way. Um, so, and then this this one to me is also seems connected to number six. Yeah um, is so number seven, which is from mega to micro. Um, and I, I grew up in kind of a mega church and so uh, I'd love to hear you speak to that.
1: Yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, it's really interconnected, you know, the mega church movement. Um, yeah, I mean, you definitely still have mega churches. I'm not, you know, dissing mega churches necessarily, but I think again, goes into our earlier session around as finances decrease, um, I, I think it's just a healthy shift we're seeing more and more interest in micro churches small churches um, you know smaller mid-sized churches even um, that I think are are more missional size they can multiply faster it's kind of the the analogy between you know a, a mega church is more like an elephant whereas micro churches are more like the rabbit and the <laughs> rabbit multiplies a heck of a lot faster. <laughs> And over time, can reach a lot more people. And so, you know, I think this is an encouraging trend. And one of the things I'm seeing, and I've been asked to speak to, uh, at, you know, gatherings of you know mega church pastors. You know, I've been able to speak into helping them even make the shift. One of the things that, uh, you know, you know a decade ago or. You know, megachurches would multiply through multi site video venue to kind of replicate themselves. And I'm even seeing a shift in megachurches away from that to rather than planting multi site to actually just doing real church planning and shifting to like planting micro networks. And I think that's a healthy shift um, to be real honest. And I think, yeah, I think thinking more micro, I think. Connected to that also is kind of thinking like micro and small church, you know, more organic expressions of church still need to be connected and networked. So think in terms of like translocal networking. And really, in some ways, large, healthy, larger churches that were mega churches that were healthy in some ways were a church of many churches, Hmm. you know, rather than just one big Sunday morning show, healthy, larger churches. And again, I'm not advocating against larger necessarily. But healthy larger churches are churches that essentially have churches within a church. Mm, and yeah. uh, if if they don't do that, they really aren't healthy because, you, you know, there, there are organizational dynamics. And you see this with early Methodism. And I kind of get into the kind of the different size dynamics, the discipleship dynamics um, of early Methodism, where you have these um, societies, which were kind of like churches, you know, they say 100, 150. Uh, Class meetings were like size groups of, say, 20. This would be kind of a traditional small group or a house church, rather. Um, And then bands were groups of three to five that were kind of a more intentional discipleship space. And these different um, sizes actually provide different levels of kind of uh, disciple making that really are essential. And so, again, I, I see connected to this shift, something very positive to seeing the church more of a local expression that's more micro and can multiply faster. Mm. You know, the, the the rabbit versus the elephant. And man, we live in such a, uh, you know, just we're here in North America. So just speaking in terms of North America, um, the fastest growing religious uh, population in the United States is the rise of the religious nones. These are people, predominantly young adults, who are unaffiliated with any religious tradition. And we, we need to plant faster. Um, we need to be more micro, more you know, organic to reach that popu- increasing population. I could say more with that, but I'll just put the pause there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's
0: a lot to unpack with each of these, no doubt. And I I just think of when you were saying the rabbit and elephant is that it also how the rabbits can get into places that maybe the big, you know, can't. And so that's to me that just connects so much to the missional part of that. And then what we talked about on the first part also is like, you know, when, when it's hard to identify the needs in a large swath of people, then that's why it necessitates the need for professional, you know, pastors, yeah. you know, cause it's like identifying those needs. Whereas, you know, that small micro thing, then it's a lot easier for someone to see like, Oh, you know, so-and-so needs help or uh, needs prayer. There's almost like this smaller part about that. Um, most definitely. So, um, yeah, that's, that is a big shift. And, uh, I think this, this next one is, uh, also a shift. Can be connected as all three of these really uh, six, seven, and eight are connected to that. Um, and so, if we're looking at number eight, uh, so from gathered to hybrid, and this one's one that um, I think even for myself, I'm often like, you know, what what would that look like, and how yeah. how could we do that, and and still um, be in the body and connected in that way.
1: So, yeah, I mean, again, you, I think this is something that has emerged out of the pandemic. And again, you have people who still use the language like, you know, now that we're coming out of COVID, well, we're not coming out of COVID. There's (laughs) variations that are new variations every day. And, uh, you know, now people are having to get boosters and we're still very much in the vaccinated, unvaccinated. Anyway, not to get into all of that, (laughs) but one of the things that came out of this, um, is this emergence of like the hybrid church, and prior to this, and I think I'll, just, I'll define what I mean by that. Prior to this, a lot of people thought in terms of churches like the church gathered. Um, and again, a large Sunday morning gathering. And I think COVID, especially early on, forced churches. One, I don't think we even know how many churches closed as a result of COVID. Um, yep. But churches that were able to pivot and navigate um, went online Um and micro churches were still able to meet in smaller, you know, homes and you know different spaces and and backyards and backyards. And so this is what I mean by hybrid is the church gathered, scattered, and digital. Hmm. Three three types of um ways to connect people. One is churches are meeting again. Some wear masks, some don't, you know, again, that's whatever. Uh, It is is what it is. So, um, so churches are beginning to meet again, but what we're seeing is there are people who are not coming back to church. Mm. There are people who actually, to be quite honest, probably for whatever reason, aren't comfortable um, coming back into a large public gathering. And so there are people that just will opt for a digital expression or the other thing, the other way I would see this, because the argument would be like, well, you're just catering to people, consumerism. Well, there are people for legitimate reasons um, are at a, at a higher health risk. You know, pastorally, we got to really take in people's mental health. Like there's a lot of factors that go into here. And I think church leaders really need to be compassionate. But I see this as a great mission field. I, so many leaders that I know that engaged the digital space, their attendance actually went up. You know, I know churches that were 500 on average. Now they're saying they're reaching, you know, you know, several thousand on Sunday watching, you know, so it's really interesting some of the dynamics here. Now, the danger of this is just a, you know, a disembodied form of Christianity. And uh, so I'm not advocating for just, let me say that, I'm not advocating for just going all video. I'm saying mm-hmm. hybrid. And so this is gathered, offering digital space, but also the discipleship micro spaces need to be recovered. And I think that in my mind is one of the most exciting things is I'm in a small discipleship group with four guys. And literally when COVID hit, we have not missed a week. Hmm. Literally our, our discipleship group has met through the entire thing. And I think millions of Christians, thousands of churches had no structure like that uh, when COVID happened. And I think a, a lot of leaders, churches that I see that are healthy, that have navigated the hybrid space have done it and they've engaged these more micro discipleship spaces. And so that's what I mean is the church gathered, the church scattered, uh, in homes and more kind of micro forms of discipleship. And then church uh, having digital options, I think actually provides a, a really unique uh, opportunity, missional opportunity to kind of engage those three spaces.
0: Yeah. And I, I think what just came to mind while you're talking about that is it seems like, you know, in investments, you diversify your por- portfolio. And it's yeah. for, for many, many years, there were. Mm. people that took a Sunday gathering and that was where they put every chip they had, you know, every dollar, but it's what you're talking about. Isn't just a hybrid. Okay. You know, you meet online and then you, you know, occasionally talk to a pastor, you know, but you're, you're saying from what I'm hearing, it's like, Hey, there's, there's so many tools and resources and different ways we can meet. We don't just have to be, you know, square peg in a round hole. There's a lot of ways we can connect. Um, is that kind of what you're speaking to? Like there's,
1: yeah i think so yeah i think that's a good way to kind of articulate it's it's kind of diversifying and kind of the new uh the new you know these future trends like the future of the church is a church that man again part of this is emerging you know this is we're living in these realities so we're in what's called a liminal space Mm -hmm. and don't put all your eggs in one basket you know I, i i like that i think that's a good and I think that's what I'm trying to say with these signposts is like take from them what helps you navigate these new realities because we're you know we're still living into these new realities you know very much so and um trying to gain wisdom from churches that have navigated and are navigating and learning to to be humble and to learn and uh, you know there's a lot of good stuff that I think has, in some ways, it's the best of times and the worst of times for church <laughs> leaders. Um, best of times, in the sense that, wow, what, we're in a new mission field. It's a new day. We can dream new dreams. Um, worst of times is there's no roadmap. And again, that's yeah. the point of these points, isn't necessarily a clear roadmap that says do these 10 things. Again, what I'm trying to do is point to the future and say, these are 10 things to take into consideration as you're trying to navigate these new realities.
0: Hmm. Yeah, you're not trying to just prescriptively tell people what yeah. they need to do, but yeah, that's, that's why we need the Holy Spirit to, to guide us with that. Um, and so we'll, we'll step into number nine here. Um, and so from members to disciples. So if you want to speak to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, in some ways, this isn't anything new. Um, I think again, churches that were not able to meet that didn't have a deep discipleship structure, who knows how many um, nominal Christians have just fallen off the map over the last year or so. Um, And I think the future of the church, this is, again, one of the greatest lessons from the global church is just you Know one of the things that's fueled the spread of global Christianity is just a white hot faith. People that love Jesus I mean, just the old school stuff, man. Like, people <laughs> that love Jesus, love the Bible, they're praying for each other, they're praying for the world, they're sharing their faith. Like, you mm. can't that's not a cookie cutter. You can't, like, yeah. Um, it, it again, back to you know, that's one of the things I looked at in Marks of a Movement. One of the things that contributed to the spread of early Methodism. But also has contributed to other movements, um, past, present, future, is just this genuine white hot faith. And so, shift from being from members to disciples. How are we? What is the metric of success that we're counting? Is it seats being filled? Is it bodies, buildings, budget? Or is it disciples being sent out um, to be the hands and feet of Jesus? And I think that is exciting to me, mm. because I think churches that were built on a member model, they're not going to make it. And I think many of them haven't made it. I think, you know, thousands of churches close every year. This is a statistical fact. And the churches that are going to make it and will continue to thrive, grow, and multiply are churches that make disciples. That make disciples. Mm. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so
0: just as we move into our last um, trend, impact of the future of the church, um, speak to from addition to multiplication.
1: Yeah. I mean, in some ways, Carson it's connected to the discipleship hmm. point we just said. Um, and again, churches that have counted numbers and success in terms of bodies building budgets, how many seats being filled, uh, one of the things that we're seeing a shift. Um, you know, our work with Exponential. Exponential has been huge in helping church leaders begin to shift their thinking away from kind of those traditional success metrics to asking questions around how are we making and multiplying disciples. Multiplication isn't just addition. This is how do we multiply and pour ourselves mm-hmm. into others. Um, one of the greatest m- models of this and a book that really was influential in me early on was Robert Coleman's master plan of discipleship. Hmm. Jesus poured himself into 12 so that after he was gone, the 12 could then multiply themselves into others. And so this is where we get into the, you know, the book of Acts day of Pentecost. You have thousands, you know, the church literally exponentially grows um, into thousands um, within the first few years and here we've got um, you know, several billion Christians on the planet today that started with Jesus, a movement that Jesus started. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a shift back to this multiplication, movemental mindset is how do we multiply disciples, leaders? How do we multiply the church? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, not, it's a shift from how do we plant one church to how do we plant a movement of churches? And I think it's a shift in thinking. It's a multiplication thinking. You know, it's like when you, as a child, first begin to do math, you start with addition, you know, (laughs) and then you move on to multiplication. And I think this is a shift of actual spiritual maturity. Mm. You know, Uh, again, conventional traditional churches, you know, that's maybe not their metric of success, Um, but spiritually deep uh, abiding disciples are gonna have a heart and a passion to see disciples made and multiplied, leaders multiplied, and churches planted.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's such a good connection of thinking about, I mean, when Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men, he certainly accomplished that.
1: Yes. (laughs) The
0: disciples absolutely um, listened to him and and walked that out in their life. So, um, well, as we come to the end of part two here, is there anything you would want to speak over part one and two, or just kind of um, closing encouragement that you would offer to people as they think about these future
1: trends? Yeah, no, that's great. Again, these are signposts. These aren't predictions. This is just kind of naming some stuff that that I'm seeing, we are seeing as a church. Um, Some of these have, again, there's statistics around some of these. Some of these are, you know, just aspirational, anecdotal, um, but these are things that I think will help church leaders. And I would just say, you know, um, it, it's, it's a challenging time for all of us. And I think just naming, the, you know, and just owning that uh, seasons of massive shifts like this, the world is experiencing. I think that's what's been fascinating about the pandemic. This is a global phenomenon. This isn't just, you know, and so we're all kind of going through these mega trends together. And I think on one level, just be encouraged that you're not alone. Mm. Wherever you are, whoever you are, um, God knows you, loves you. Uh, your brothers and sisters around the world are struggling and um prayerfully trying to navigate the future with you. Mm. So be encouraged in that. Um, and you know, rather than seeing all of these things as obstacles and challenges, seeing them as opportunities to help the future, um, help the church reach our world for Jesus Christ. That's, you know, why church planning? It's not so we can have numbers or check a scoreboard somewhere. It's so that people will come to know Christ Mm. and that our world would be changed. And I think that is really the heart of all of this is we want to just really equip you um, church leaders to plant new churches for a new world
0: yeah amen that's that's a good way to close and um, so we just want to thank you all for joining us for part two of talking about the signposts of the future the ten trends impacting the future of the church. And uh, we also want to thank you for joining us on Church Planning Conversations podcast. And um, as I said earlier, if you haven't listened to part one, I would encourage you to do that and maybe even grab some friends of yours who are church planners or pastors and, and you guys just listen together and go grab some coffee and talk about um, what you're experiencing, what are some things that you're seeing um, in your context. And uh, and so we, we just bless you all and uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, we look forward to connecting with you all soon. Thank you for listening to the Church Planting Conversations podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to our February Church Planting training event, New Churches for a New World. Our first training day is fast approaching. Register today at asburychurchplanning.com backslash training
1: events. I hope to see you there.